0: It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for his return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. When you're in love with something, it's hard to turn away, even when you know it's not healthy. Today, Pastor J.D. reminds us why this world is going to take such a hit in the end times. It's because we need to remember that earth, isn't our home. Jesus wants us to fall out of love with this world so we can fall back in love with him. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdvarag.org. Now, here's Pastor JD with today's Prophecy Update as shared on January eighth, two 2023.
1: For the time will come, that time is now and here, when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside two myths. What a devastating portrait of the last days church. No longer putting up with sound preaching, sound doctrine, the preaching of the word. And they're going to turn away and they're going to go away and they're going to go down the street to this other church that tells them what their ears are itching to hear. And if I'm not mistaken, we're given the detail that this is going to be in, quote, a great number. In other words, most of the Christians in the last days are going to do this. They don't want to hear what I'm talking about today. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to go listen to a Bible prophecy update about devastation. The guy down the streets talking about love. And God wants you to be healthy and wealthy and prosperous. And you just gotta name it and claim it and blab it and grab it. I'm gonna go with that one, okay? See ya. Wouldn't wanna be ya. Revelation three. Seven letters to seven churches. The Church of Philadelphia in verse 7 through 11 is one of two churches of the seven for which there is no rebuke from the Savior. John, who's on the island of Patmos, is told to write, verse 7, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia These things says he who is holy, he who is true, He who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength. I know that you're just holding on. You've kept my word. I know you're just hanging on to my word under extreme pressure to abandon it. And you've not denied my name, and I know that everyone else has. But you've held on. You're barely hanging on. Weary with little strength but you've kept my word. You haven't denied my name. Just hang on a little bit longer. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my command to persevere. This is a picture of a church in the last days that is just barely hanging on, persevering. I also, because you have kept my command and thank God it's a command because God will never command us to do anything that he will not also empower us to do because he can't not do that. That's inconsistent with who he is. God's commands are not burdensome, John says. We want this to be a command. Because when God commands us or calls us to do something, his callings, his commands are his enablings. He's also going to package it with the power of the Holy Spirit to obey the command that He's commanding us, to take heed to the call to which He's calling us. See, when you bring it into its proper place under the heading of a command, you have the Holy Spirit now enabling you and empowering you to obey that command. What's the command to persevere? You're persevering and I also will keep you from the, listen, hour of trial, tribulation, which shall come upon the whole world. That's the seven-year tribulation to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. Not that someone is going to take a crown you already have, But there is the propensity for us to not have a crown that we could have had. The command to persevere. And because you have kept, obeyed the command to persevere, I'm going to keep you from the hour of tribulation. That's the pre-tribulation rapture. But notice the connection again. Affliction, adversity, difficulty, trials devastation, that's the catalyst. That's the catalyst. And that's the prophetic picture that we have. This prophetic picture of the last days church is evidenced by this devastating Pew Research Center report on December 22nd, which at first read you almost get the impression that a significant percentage of Americans actually believe that we're living in the end times when at the beginning of the report they say, and I quote, periods of catastrophe and anxiety, such as the coronavirus pandemic, have historically led some people to anticipate that the destruction of the world as we know it, the end times, is near. So far, so good. This thinking, still quoting, often has a religious component that draws on sacred scripture. Again, so far, so good. In Christianity, for example, These beliefs include expectations that Jesus will return to earth after or amid a time of great turmoil. Can I add the word devastation? Catastrophic devastation. Again, so far so good, right? Are we good? That wasn't very convincing, but that's all right. We'll just move on. So what's your problem, pastor? Well, I'm glad you asked. Here's the problem. When you get towards the end of the article, there's a conspicuous shift from the statistics of Americans to the statistics of evangelicals, which is misleading at best and deceptive at worst when they say, and I quote, about seven in ten evangelicals say either that they are not sure Jesus will return during their lifetime, or that Jesus will definitely or probably not return during their lifetime. Give me a moment. (laughs) I mean, that's... We shouldn't be surprised. 70%? Or more? No. No, I, be- I believe in God. Oh, that's great. So do the demons, and they tremble. Congratulations. Well, I believe Jesus is coming. I just don't believe that it's going to be in my lifetime. I don't think it's anytime soon. I think we've got another... <laughs> I can't even go there. I'm sorry. We, yeah, never mind. Okay, let me stay on message here. What's the takeaway from this devastating report? And it is devastating. Most evangelicals don't believe Jesus will return during their lifetime. That's a problem. Because throughout Scripture in my Bible, everyone for the last well-nigh 2,000 plus years thought it was in their lifetime, chief of whom is the Apostle Paul himself who would say to the Thessalonians, we who are still alive, he thought it was going to be in his lifetime by God's design, so that at any time, The trumpet could sound and the dead in Christ can rise first and we who are alive and remain will be caught up, raptured up to meet them in the air and be with the Lord. And you don't believe that? Well, This may be devastating news for the church today, but it's certainly not surprising news about the church today. Again, Bible prophecy tells us that this is what it will look like at the time of the end. And dare I say, (laughs) this is exactly what it now looks like. Why? Because we're now at the end. This is the end. What are you you saying, Pastor? I don't know how much clearer I can be. This is it. This is how it ends. This is the end. (laughs) this sign on this uh, picture, the end is nigh. Not a word we use. Near would be a more uh, commonly used word the end is near. And of course, they've got to have the sandwich board guy. And they always have the kook, you know, the, the weirdo that's, you know, carrying the sign. And I think I'm going to get a sign and go to Waikiki and just hold it up. But it won't say the end is near. It'll say the end is here. Because it is. Because it is. All right. Now, this begs the question of, at whose feet does one lay the blame for the devastating state of the church in the last days? While the carnal Christian is certainly culpable, as we just read in First and Second Timothy, James in chapter 3 verse 1 makes it very clear in no uncertain terms that in the end it's the pastors. We as teachers of God's word and pastors of God's flock will be held to a much stricter judgment in the end. It's arguably even stronger concerning the watchman from the Old Testament prophets like Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 3, beginning in verse 17. Listen to this. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore hear a word from my mouth and give them warning from me. Warn them! When I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, that same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Yet, verse 19, if you warn the wicked, And he does not turn from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way. He shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. I want to share with you a quote from A.W. Tozer. Though written long ago, it's so apropos for today. Comes from a devotional titled... A new type of preacher. Here's what he says, if Christianity is to receive a rejuvenation, it must be by other means than any now being used. If the church in the second half of this century, speaking of the last century, is to recover from the injuries, interesting, injuries she suffered in the first half, there must appear a new type of preacher. The proper ruler of the synagogue type will never do. Neither will the priestly type of man who carries out his duties, takes his pay, and asks no questions. Nor the smooth talking pastoral type. Who knows how to make the Christian religion acceptable to everyone? All these have been tried and found wanting. Another kind of religious leader must arise among us. He must be of the old prophet type. I like that. A growl. you got to say it with a growl. The old prophet type. A man who has seen visions of God and has heard a voice from the throne. When he comes, and I pray God there will be not one but many, he will stand in flat contradiction to everything our smirking, smooth civilization holds dear. He will contradict, denounce, and protest in the name of God and will earn the hatred and the opposition of a large segment of Christendom. I want to be that man. Such a man is likely to be lean. Well, that counts me out. Rugged, there's the growl, rugged, blunt, blunt spoken, and a little bit angry with the world. He will love Christ and the souls of men to the point of willingness to die for the glory of one and the salvation of the other. But he will fear nothing that breathes with mortal breath. Oh, would to God that like Tozer prays and says there would be not one but many. And that I would be deemed worthy to be counted among such a man who cares not what the world thinks. Who has an audience of one? Well, if you'll kindly allow me to, I (laughs) need to bluntly, (laughs) and with a little bit of anger with the world, protest as it relates to the devastating and hopefully motivating truth. Once again, I deem it necessary to preface what I'm about to say by lovingly and humbly saying that this is only for those who have ears to hear. I'll begin with what two pastor friends of mine sent me, which was the same article on the same day from Lifestyle News on December 19th about Trump hosting a gala for homosexual Republicans at his Mar-a-Lago resort. Here are some quotes. Trump, in his speech, proclaimed, we are fighting for the gay community, and we are fighting and fighting hard. With the help of many of the people here tonight, In recent years, our movement has taken incredible strides. The strides you've made here is incredible. Close quote. The article continues, and I quote, According to Politico, Carrie Lake employed foul language to address the crowd, saying, quote, We just have such a huge movement going into election day. To watch these people, these evil, uh, it rhymes sort of with mustards. Can I say that here? That's what she says. Still quoting. To watch them steal this election in broad daylight, and if they think they're going to get away with it, they messed with the wrong it rhymes with stitch. Are we good? We're okay. That's quoting Kerry Lake. Now, let me hasten to say, and you can actually find on YouTube and our website a powerful testimony that we had about the power of a praying parent for a prodigal who came out of this lifestyle and like the Apostle Paul to the Corinthian church says to them, he lists homosexuality, and he says, as some of you were, translated, God loves the homosexual. And there is hope for the homosexual and the lesbian. That's not my intent to go any further in that regard, but I think it did need to be said. So for well nigh five years now, from back in 2019 and then particularly into 2020 up to the present time now in 2023, I've continued to genuinely and sincerely ask friends of mine, many of which are pastors, the following question. Is Trump friend or foe? I say genuinely and sincerely because personally in my own life and ministry, if Trump is friend, nothing makes sense. However, if Trump is foe, everything makes sense. Sadly, I've come to the conclusion that it's the latter. And if you'll hear me out, I'll explain why. The deal of the century that divides Jerusalem makes sense if he's foe. The Abraham Accords that are a precursor to the prophecy in Daniel 9.27, specifically concerning peace with many for a seven-year covenant,
0: it makes sense if he's foe. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Some of what you've heard today may have encouraged you in your faith, and at times it may have brought up more questions that you would like answered. If you're wanting to get in touch with us, go to jdfarag.org and find the contact link at the bottom of the page. That's jdfarag.org. There, you can let us know some of the questions you might have, and we'll get back to you and try to answer those questions as best we can. While you're on our website, feel free to check out additional teachings from Pastor JD. If what Pastor JD shared today has you really confused about what it means to know Jesus and life beyond this life, there's a resource for you that might be helpful. At jdfarag.org, find the ABCs tab. This will walk you through what it means to have a saving knowledge of Jesus and what that means for you going forward.